welcome to the third episode of PR People, the podcast. The very first episode of 2021. Going forward, the plan for this podcast is to create shorter, bite-sized episodes, packed full of insightful conversation and useful advice to take away. So today I'm very excited to be joined by Abby Bennett, my colleague and digital PR manager at DigitalOff. So welcome, Abby. It's great to have you on. Thanks for having me on, Callum. I'm really excited to be on the third episode of the podcast. Today, I thought it'd be great to chat about pitching, being on point with your pitches to to secure links and coverage. Now, pitching is like the modern day press release and you can pitch campaigns and reactives to journalists to secure coverage for clients. And in digital PR, as you know, Abby, it's all about links. Yeah, absolutely. I I didn't really know anything about um, sort of digital PR or PR in general before I started my job. Um, So learning how important a pitch is when it comes to landing those links is like vital, I think. I used to see people on Twitter talk about links and I had no idea what they were talking about. But obviously now, two months in, I crave links. (laughs) I know the hype behind it now. So yeah, so first question, what makes the perfect pitch? Um, so I think when it comes to pitching, like it all comes down to individual style. Um, so at the end of the day, you're trying to get across the message of the campaign that you've created and you're trying to really persuade a journalist or a publication to obviously publish that and include a link. Um, so I think the sort of best way to do that is just try not to try not to go with a certain format and just stick with it for the rest of your days. Like I think certain trends, you know, with everything, trends of pitching are always changing. Um, So even in the sort of three years that I've been pitching and working as a digital PR, um, the ways in which I've pitched campaigns has changed massively and is always sort of evolving depending on journalist feedback and trends that I see um, sort of other digital PRs working on. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the sort of key thing is to stick to what feels right for you and to try and get your personality across as much as possible. Um, so I think when it comes to pitching, it can be really easy to sort of get quite stressed and like anxious about um, trying to sort of pitch your campaign as much as possible but at the end of the day you're just emailing a journalist and there is a human on the other other end of the laptop um, which I think is quite easy to forget so if you try and inject as much of your personality as possible into your pitches um, and just sort of approach it in a really sort of human and natural way and that's going to come across when a journalist is opening your email on the other end. Um, So I think, yeah, definitely sticking to um, what you feel is right and trying to get your personality across. But then also, obviously, practically, you need to make sure um, that your pitch has everything that it needs to have in it to make sure that journalists can cover the story if they want to. So I like to kind of think of PRs and digital PRs as being the people who make journalists' lives easier. Um, So when we're pitching our stories, we're obviously taking another story off their to-do list because they don't have to think of the idea because we've already thought about it and created it and they don't even have to do that much obviously they are writing the the feature themselves but if we're sending over you know snippets of copy um, and images a quote from our client 
then actually they don't have to do as much work. Um, so if they're pushing out eight to 10 articles a day, which apparently is sort of, you know, the standard for journalists, then we're actually making one of those articles that they're writing a whole lot easier. And, you know, if we can get amazing campaign ideas that we're pitching to journalists and we're making their lives easier, and then they're getting more sort of clicks and reads and time spent reading the article, then that's where you sort of start to build those really key relationships within the media. And that's when you're kind of achieving success with digital PR. Yeah, just to pick up on your point about, um, you know, making the journalist's life a little bit easier. Before I got into PR, I had no idea that, you know, a lot of stories you do see online actually stems from a PR person. Yeah, it is crazy. Loads of my friends now, because I'm always banging on about different campaigns that I've seen or different campaigns that we've done at Digital Loft. Um, and they'll always send me like wild headlines and be like, is this a digital PR campaign? Like, is this real? <laughs> Legit? Um, so yeah, it is pretty crazy. But then also I think like, it's pretty mad to think to ever sort of think that journalists could have done it all on their own in the first place. Like the news is just constant. Like I think we've all felt it more than ever before in the last sort of year or so, but even sort of, you know, not hard news, the sort of entertainment features, it's just constant. Like there's always new articles, new research. Um, So yeah, obviously journalists need the help, which you don't really think about unless you're the one sort of getting involved and helping pitching those stories. It is really interesting to see, especially being on the inside now, to see how how these stories start and begin. And then obviously when you see the final story and it stemmed from, uh, you know, your pitch or the research that you've been working on, it is like a really, a really great feeling. Yeah, it is really good. And I think it's like, if you love writing as well, like I sort of came into this job with a background of loving writing and not necessarily from sort of the PR and marketing background. Um, But it's a great way to sort of contribute to that new cycle and sort of get your stories out there, but in a really backhanded way. Um, So I remember when I first started as a digital PR, um, I'd got a lead with one of the the national um, newspapers and she asked, the journalist had asked if I could um, write up some copy to supplement. And when the lead, when the lead went live, basically all of my copy was like on the daily mail and I was like so buzzing with that because you know as someone who loves writing um, and had once thought that I might want to be a journalist um, it's really cool to see your sort of work on these top tier national newspapers Um, and then I was explaining it to my mum and she obviously didn't understand at all she was like what so you wrote that she's like but your name's not on there I was like no (laughs) mum you don't understand this process Um, but yeah it is really cool to be involved with especially with some of the you know the the big name publications it's very cool it is a really fun process and like like you said it is a sort of backhanded way to journalism because i think it takes a certain type of person to be a journalist and i'm definitely not that type of person to be a journalist but i do like you say i do like writing yeah it comes down to like the stories um at the end of the day which is why i love at digital off that we work so to story first um so even if you're not necessarily necessarily the type of person who could be a journalist or you know maybe if you don't think your feature writing skills are good enough which was definitely a thing for me it's still all of our work is still focused around those stories and trying to share those stories with other people so you've identified six characteristics to the perfect pitch uh, which are all underpinned by um psychological theory so i thought it'd be good to just run through those 
these I wouldn't say these are sort of live and die these are kind of the six characteristics that I thought were really key to delivering a great pitch um and with this sort of psychology background um so I did my undergraduate degree in psychology um I just really like sort of investigating and looking into the different ways that psychological concepts can really help us write better pitches because as I sort of said previously um pitching is all about like communicating with journalists right and it's all about persuading other people and actually there's a huge amount of psychological research and theory behind the success in persuading other people because you're essentially either changing their mind about something. So if they previously weren't going to cover any PR research, then you're trying to sort of change their mind on that. Um, Or even if they have no sort of preconceptions, you're just trying to get them to cover the story um, that you're pitching. So yeah, there's sort of six key um, theories that I kind of use to try and guide my pitching. Um, Obviously, I feel like a pitch should be, and as every digital PR will know, um, should be super personalized to the campaign and the client that you're pitching around. Um, But these are kind of nice guides, I think, um, to sort of try and help boost those pitches and help us try and land those links. Um, So the six are, um, the first one is all about delivery. So using um, emotional trigger words. So this is basically all about clickbait, to be honest. Um, And again, you don't sort of realize the thought behind these headlines. Like everyone takes the mickey out of like the sun or like lad Bible for these really clickbaity headlines. But actually journalists more and more and more are being measured. They're getting their pay rises. They're getting everything based on clicks and time spent on their features. So obviously they're going to want to use headlines and sort of, you know, features that have that real clickbait aspect. Um, So I'd say like, obviously try not to be clickbait for the sake of being clickbait. Um, But what we can do is use these sort of emotional trigger words that are gonna trigger something within the journalist or the audience that is reading the feature. Um, So this could be like, I don't know, Say you'd revealed the most um, adventurous or dangerous places in the whole world for whatever it is. So top 10 dangerous places in the world. You could add in an emotional trigger word like the top, these shocking top 10 um, most dangerous places around the world have been revealed in this new research. And it's basically just about trying to put in these words that are going to really like evoke emotion and catch the eye of the journalist um so quite a simple concept but I feel like when you get stuck in the process of pitching every single day you kind of forget to like add in a little add a little bit of spice and um add the sort of tweaks and stuff that sometimes can make all the difference like if a journalist really stacked for time and they've got like a gazillion million emails then it might be that you know a couple of clickbaity words or a couple of trigger words in there is going to be the difference between an open or them just sort of moving it to another folder in their email um so that's the first one um the second one that i try and always sort of guide my pictures with is imagery um so we kind of know that most journalists will use some sort of imagery um in their features some have sort of editorial um policies that are sort of associated with the publication themselves so for example this publication uses only shutterstock images and that's it um i know a lot of the top tier national newspapers are using video more and more so they have to have videos within their features otherwise you know they can't publish the story 
So with this, I just try and make sure that I'm providing imagery where I can with every campaign that I'm pitching. So again, just trying to make journalists' lives easier because if we know that they're putting images in you know, every single feature that they're writing and they decide that they want to cover our research, then they're going to have to spend the time looking for imagery to support that. Whether it's if we've sent over, say, a Dropbox image of... Um, so if we go back to the very weak top 10 dangerous uh, locations made up campaign that I've just made up on the spot, maybe you might want to source images for those top 10 locations so that the journalist doesn't have to do it themselves. You've already sort of made sure that you've got the Creative Commons license so they don't have to go through that either. And basically just trying to make their lives easier um, and try and just spice up the campaign as well. Like I think a nice bit of imagery, whether that's, you know, an infographic or, you know, a, a stock image image um, does sort of spice up the feature so definitely one to bear in mind I think that goes a long way as well Abby. I think journalists do appreciate when you do add the Dropbox or like images um, yeah. of the campaign because yeah. like you said it does help them out and it does make the job a little bit easier absolutely like I think the the sort of thing that we're kind of aiming with all of these sort of you know theories that I try and guide my pitch by is you never ideally want a journalist to come back to you and say what about this or have you got this because ideally you want to be putting it all in one nice little present in the form of a pitch email that you can drop in their inbox and they've got everything they need to sort of run off and write up the feature um so the third sort of one that I try and use where I can this I feel like this one's a little bit trickier um based on the types of campaigns that you're pitching um but it's basically around the concept of realism um, so when we are obviously reading stories, I feel like, well, and there's psychological theories to support this, but I feel like as a reader, people are quite um, dubious of features that you see. So if I see something on Unilad or Lad Bible and there's, you know, sort of a shocking headline or there's been some new research that's been conducted, I'm automatically thinking like, Hmm, okay, so where's this come from? Like, how have they done this? Is this real? Like, why are they writing this? I'm already like questioning everything that's in this research. And I don't know whether that's because I'm a digital PR and obviously I know all the sort of work that goes in behind these types of research now, but general audiences are the same. Like as humans, we just naturally question stuff. So we need to try and make our research as sort of real as possible, make our stories as real as possible. Um, and when way we can do this and sort of enhance the authority of our stories is to add in case studies and expert comments um so there's like i would love to reel off some research off the top of my head but there is like hundreds of research papers about how like someone could come in in a doctor's coat and we would literally trust them more than the average person just because we assume that a a doctor would be more trustworthy in the first place and b that that person is a doctor because they're just wearing the uniform um so with our pictures then we kind of want to have that effect on the readers as well so try and use expert comments where you can so this could either be um a comment directly from your client. So literally go to your client, ask if they have any in-house experts that they're working with. So that could be, you know, a nutritionist, um, that could be a health expert, that could be um, even like a marketing director if you're wanting comments on, you know, changing marketing trends or something happening in retail. Um, or you can sort of do your own research 
um, write up your own comment and then get the experts on the client side to almost sort of sign that off and add to it where they need. Um, so you don't always need um, the client themselves to provide the expert comment because um, I realise that sometimes that can take a lot of time to sort of, if a journalist has said they're writing up the feature in the next hour, then, you know, sometimes that's quite a struggle to get your client to provide the comment within that time frame. And then in the instance where clients don't have... Um, experts in-house you can always pair up with experts just like random people who have got qualifications um, so I find Twitter is a really helpful one for that so you can put out um, sort of journal requests to try and find experts who can provide comment on your research and it basically just gives that validity to the research that you've conducted and makes people trust it more so yeah so that's the sort of expert comment side and then we also have the sort of case study side which again is quite hard to source sometimes um, but we had an example a few months back at Halloween where we had um, some expert advice around wearing contacts at Halloween, you know, like the really like dodgy ones that you get yeah. from dress shops. And um, we were trying to make it obviously as sort of relatable and real as possible. So we decided to get some case studies. We got like three people who'd worn these dodgy contacts. Like one of them had always gone blind. It was horrifying. Um, but that in the end was what landed us a load of coverage because people were sort of leading with the headline of the case studies and then backing it up with the expert comment. Um, so kind of ideal there, um, sort of example of where those case studies really enhanced the research or the content that we've made. Um, so yeah, obviously not always possible. If you've got more of a conceptual or fictional campaign, it's a bit harder. Um, but yeah, where possible, it just helps people relate to the research and the story. Um, so the fourth sort of concept or theory um, is really, really basic, um, but it's just quite a nice reminder. Like, I think all digital PRs can probably relate to the fact that, like, our jobs are very... Um, hectic <laughs> and chaotic sometimes if you've got like loads of campaigns to get out and then some reactives popped up and then you've got you know like content or data to do or ideation to do there's just like a lot on um, so trying to have a structure um, that you can lay your pictures out in I find is really helpful um, so I made up like an acronym and as everyone who's ever spoken to me about this acronym will know I made it up and then I can now never remember what the acronym is <laughs> I know everyone who's everyone who's listening grab a um... Grab a pen and piece of paper. Yeah, grab or a pen open and your notes on your phone. Yeah, because you will never be able to remember this acronym. It's like unrememberable. Um, but it basically helps me. Um, I try and bring this up when I'm writing pictures and when I'm training some of the team to write new pictures. Um, I actually have a post-it note on my monitor so that I try and always guide my pictures with this. Um, but it basically just gives me like a really nice structure to write my pictures out by. Um, so the acronym itself is obtaining links can truly cause immense excitement, which we can all relate to. It's very exciting. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, just wish I could remember it. Um, and this basically details um, the fact that we should be including firstly an opening line um, so this could be you know this client has done some research around this or this could be more of a like everyone's loving Bridgerton at the moment but where are the most popular Bridgerton filming locations as an example 
Um, so this is basically just your intro um, to the pitch. I personally, and again, like people have completely different um, personal preferences when it comes to pitching, but I prefer to be on the shorter and snappier side. Like I just think if journalists have like two minutes to check their emails, they'd much rather see what the research is about and who it's by and like why it's relevant rather than like a load of fluff of like, like context because actually yeah. they've just got to make that spit decision to sort of cover the story i always find it's a good way to set the tone as well and that's like it's a good opportunity as well to incorporate that you know yeah. that delivery and personality as well absolutely yeah it's, it is the first sort of chance that you're able to talk to the journalist so you've got to kind of make it count um, so yeah, so there's the opening line and then um, a long link. Um, so basically really basic, but just having a long link of your campaign. Um, I think it's important to remember that not all journalists will be on a desktop or a laptop. They might be on an iPad, they might be on their phone. So just having that link really clear so that you're really directing them to the campaign page that you want them to visit is like vital. Um, then we have C, so can, context. Um, so adding in the context, like I said, you might want to say something about, you know, if you're... Um, if your research is based on the top vegan foods in the UK at the moment, you might want to bring in a sentence about how it's veganuary this year and more people have signed up to do it than ever. Sort of why should they write about it? Why is it relevant? Why have you done the research in the first place? Um, so then moving on to a top 10 and a comment. So quite self-explanatory, but obviously you always want to show that data. Um, as we all know, journalists love top 10s, bottom 10s, top five. They love the numbers. Um, so just making sure that you get the data in there and then a comment or a quote as we've kind of gone through just having that expert comment um, and then finally the last two within that acronym are images and extra info so again we've kind of run through the images part um, and extra info is just obviously anything else you could possibly give to the journalist to make their lives easier so yeah I kind of like having that um, structure laid out for me just so that I know that I'm not missing anything and obviously as I said, like a million times, it will depend on the type of campaign that you're pitching. But just having that sort of almost tick box is quite a nice way to sort of go through it, I think. Yeah. And, and to be fair, my first few weeks, that's the acronym I referred to. And obviously you trained me as well. So, um, so yeah. And you're matching it with the link, so it must be working. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's a good, a good case study for, for everyone listening. Um, so, yeah, so then the final sort of two um, theories that I try and guide my pitches with um, is number five, context. Um, but basically just trying to make yourself likable. Um, so kind of going back to the human relationship thing that we I said about previously, um, people tend to be persuaded more by people that they like or respect or get on with more than people that they don't like, which makes like total sense, obviously, I think, because if you don't like someone, then you're going to be much more sort of reluctant to help them with a task at work or, you know, if they ask for a favour and you don't like that person, then you might be a bit like, oh, fine. But if you really like them, then obviously you're like, yeah, just send me whatever, I'll, I'll do whatever for you. And we kind of want to get to that point with journalists, so making them like us. You know, you see horror stories on Twitter all 
the time I'm sure you've seen some awful ones Callum um since following more journalists but where like journalists completely out PRs because they've put something in their intro that okay admittedly might be a bit cringe or sort of you know ignorant not reading the room but they just absolutely hammer them and like that is going to reduce your chances of getting your pitch being read because they already don't like you like you're already on on the back foot um so the sort of context here is trying to make yourself as likable as possible um just sort of add any other context that you have around maybe your relationship if you have a previous relationship with a journalist um you know i was always taught when i was first trained as a digital pr to sort of and i don't know whether this is sort of a sign of the times that more people were putting that in their pitches but to sort of see what they've been writing about previously in the last you know month or something pick one of your favorites and then drop that into the intro and just say like hi blah blah like i read your article on this the other day um and it was really good i loved it um to almost try and make the journalists like you more to me to mean that they're more likely to cover your story now i don't know how true that is like i don't think necessarily if you're just throwing compliments at them that they're going to cover your story if it's shit so like i don't know how valuable that is especially if it's not that genuine um and again i remember seeing there was like a viral tweet that went around um a couple of years back where someone had put hi journalist um that high name how are you and then had literally put clearly where they hadn't filled like in the variables on their like bus stream or whatever they were using. Um, but the little description basically read like um, insert excerpt here about buttering them up for their recent piece. Oh and my God. <laughs> honestly, it gives me chills like talking about it now. And I have brought, like, I've talked about this so many times and every time I'm like, oh my God, you would just die, wouldn't you? I think it's just like, it just kind of proves like it's not worth it unless you really have read their article and loved it. I don't think that's kind of necessarily the right way to go about it. Um, so yeah, once you've got the sort of context um, and you've tried to sort of, you know, make that relationship with the journalist um, the last sort of theory that I use um, within my pitches is basically the theory of your audience um, so mirroring is a really great like psychological technique that you can use to try and get someone to persuade them to do something that you want them to do. Um, so if you were talking to someone in real life, so there's lots of um, like in the psychology of marketing and sales, there's lots of research to suggest that if you mirror someone's body language or even the way that they talk, so using um, some of the words they might use or even like a tiny bit of their accent, not like literally the exact same accent but sort of mirroring how they talk and the way that they move does make people warm to you more because we it's like that thing where it's like you love people that are the same as you because you essentially love yourself and you want to find someone who is exactly the same as you like all that weird stuff so what we try and do in our pitches is try and mirror the journalist or the publication and write and sort of lay out our pitches in that way So, for example, if you're pitching to Business Insider, they tend to do a lot of top 20, top 50, top 10, whatever. Um, And they will have a sort of layout where there's a short intro and then you have the top 10, but you have sort of number one, um, Callum Taylor, PR from Wigan, and then a picture of you and then a short description 
And then another sort of headline. So number two, Abby Bennett's digital PR from Bedford picture and lay it out like that where there are some um, journalists would lay out a top 10 in a table and then have images at the bottom or they might lead with, for example, the sun. If you're writing headlines um, for pictures to the sun, um, we know that the sun lead with almost like two words, a colon, and then an explanation. So I don't know, say if you're doing like a YouTube campaign, they might have like rude tube, colon, research reveals that these are the rudest people on YouTube. So kind of just getting to know how like journalists write, how the publication is going to write, just makes, again, makes their life like so much easier because they basically got a feature that's just landed in their inbox that they can essentially copy and paste into their sort of writing tool, whatever they use to sort of write their features. Um, So yeah, just trying to mirror the way that they talk and always sort of keep your audience in mind. So if you're pitching to Lad Bible and you know that, you know, that might be a sort of, younger and more cultural audience then put in those references if it's more you know of an older audience or of a certain you know even going into classes and stuff like that having those cultural references just means that you're more likely to get that feature and land that link um so yeah as i say they're not really sort of strict um theories or principles but i find them quite useful to sort of run through my head when i'm writing a pitch just to make sure that sort of all the boxes are ticked yeah, I mean, it's it sort of as a digital PR, it gets you thinking as well. So, you know, with the audience, essentially, that is just being more relatable to the person you're writing to or to the publication that, you know, psychology does underpin all of these points, but it's not something you have to overthink. No, definitely not. And I think like when people think about like the psychology of marketing or the psychology of digital PR, um, it can sound quite like... I don't know, like quite complicated and like it's going to be like some really sciencey formula that's going to help you land links. But actually the whole the whole thing about psychology, the whole reason why I was drawn to it in the first place is that it's all based around people and how they communicate. And so actually it's all these sort of little tiny things that you never really think about, but that actually can make a huge difference in the way that you communicate with someone and the way that you can make them feel and the way that you can make them behave. So that's basically all we're trying to do with our pitches. And it is really simple stuff. It's just remembering to sort of think about all those things when you're writing that pitch. So just to round off, what are your, um, you know, to give the listeners three main takeaways um you know if you could summarize the points you've made then I think that that'd be great yeah so I think um the first takeaway I would say is to be true to yourself which sounds really cheesy (laughs) (laughs) and I didn't mean to get emotional but I think (laughs) stay true to yourself um if you've written something that is just like everyone else um, and follows, you know, the same structure that a gazillion million other PRs are writing, um, then you're less likely to sort of get that cut through. So I think just making it short, snappy, injecting your personality where you can um, is like a number one takeaway. Um, And it it also like... (laughs) not making it short and snappy anymore, but it also helps you enjoy the process more. I think if you're adding more of your sort of creative thought and your personality into pictures is much, much more fun than writing 
you know, something, the same pitch over and over and over 20 times a week um, to different types of press who have different needs. Um, so really sort of putting the time in to try and get your personality across is probably number one takeaway. Um Number two is to make sure that you have everything that you need um, or everything that a journalist could need, sorry, in your pitch. Um, so whether you sort of use an acronym or you have your own way of remembering it, you know, that could be a checklist, a pitching checklist, just making sure that if a journalist was to pick up your campaign, would they have every single thing that they needed if you logged off in the next two minutes would they have everything would it matter if you're going home at four and they want to write a feature at five like ideally they should have everything that they need um you know sometimes you will have those times where you know they want expansion on a comment or they want a slightly different angle which is obviously natural and completely fine but on the whole if they have everything that they could want then you're much more likely to just sort of see those links popping up without them even needing an interaction with you which you know you'd rather them message and say thanks for this I'm, I'm using it but you know it's equally as good when you find a link out of the blue that you weren't expecting um so that's number two and then number three I would just say as an overall takeaway like do your research um so try and look at how the key publications that you're pitching to um are writing try and look at the way you know you can't do this for every single journalist but if there's a journalist that you have a relationship with or that you pitch to a lot because you know you might have a lot of clients in one industry or one sector um but to try and get to know how they write and try and sort of mirror that if you can um, because that's sort of the best way i think to sort of build relationships it's not about the sort of ingenuine comments and trying to butter them up it's more about just being professional and trying to make their lives easier and you know I've said before I think like the relationship between journalists and PR should be more like a small business exchange so you're delivering them a service like by all means inject your personality and be friendly and have a conversation but at the end of the day it should just be like almost a transfer of service and that's it um so yeah i just say do your research get to know the publications get to know the journalists um and yeah hopefully that will mean that you're more likely to get that link or get that coverage thank you abby that's really useful really helpful um and obviously that's a system i use and thought process i use it it does work and it is a great way to to remember uh do you just want to run through your acronym one last time oh god don't make me do it okay yeah. um so obtaining links can truly cause immense excitement and that is the opening line the long link context the top 10 your comment or your quote images and then any extra info so good luck remembering that <laughs> <laughs> great thank you Abby. thanks so much for having me it's been really nice talking to you